Ah, oh, perfect timing. She's here. Hmm? Do watch your back, though. She's a bit on the fiendish side. Yeah, down with... Down, down with vegetables. For the second year in a row, I get to start the show by roasting on Dallas Cowboys fans. Ain't it grand? Hey, Malcolm, how you doing? Welcome, listeners of Podcast ONA. Hello, everyone. So, has the Super Bowl final lineup been settled now? Uh, this weekend it will be. Okay. So, it's gonna be, um, who beat the, who beat the Cowboys? 49ers. Okay, so it's 49ers against either, okay, who, who's playing this weekend? As, as the only one here who follows professional sports regularly, uh, just, just leave all that stuff to me. That's why I was asking you. I was well, literally we got, asking we got, you. We got one more weekend of, of games to get to before the Super Bowl. We gotta, we gotta wait. We gotta wait for it to happen. All right, all right. But yes, uh, yeah. Some of you might remember uh, last year when uh, it was a grand old time, and it was a grand old time uh, last weekend as well. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be a theme this time around. Roasting. God, speaking of this fucking Super Bowl, I'm pretty sure whatever the hell Mars and the M&Ms are doing is related to the Super Bowl. It is a test, and so many people are failing it right now. I think we're all failing it. Remember when Baby Nut caused COVID? (laughs) Uh, That little shit literally ruined society. Tried to tell everyone it was a bad idea, but they didn't listen. So what we're saying is, if you're gonna let out a little nut, you should at least clean up afterwards. Christ. <sighs> Hello, not, once again, for continuing to click on. Can we not, man? It's, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, it's it's been a long day. I I can't deal with this right now. Only two minutes in. Only two minutes in, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Alex, take the fucking reins. Okay. Hi. How you doing? If you're angry at that cold open, uh, go go and uh, go mention Andrew about his uh, terrible jokes. Anyway... Here we are again. Uh, the month of January is almost up. The winter season is upon us. We will be talking about that in part, uh, mostly because uh, there are dubcasts that have to be uh, gone over. You know, a- as it happens every year, which um, it doesn't seem like there are going to be some surprise anime of the year contenders not getting dubbed this season like there was in the fall. About. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, what are you talking about? There's there's definitely already a couple of things that got clearly glossed over because Crunchyroll uh, trying to predict the future never works. I I think that's my I, I was having this discussion with somebody about that. Okay, I, I think I need to save this tangent for when we get closer to there. Otherwise, yeah. we'll be here all night. Yeah, and then speaking of last year, uh, y'all haven't noticed it's award season. 
and uh, everybody's doing their own awards show, <laughs> even if uh, nobody cares anymore. Uh, who, who? I I have certainly put up some awards. I'll tell you that. Yeah, much. who would who would be working on any awards right now? That would uh, that would be that would be foolish. <laughs> it certainly would, especially if they go for over four hours because. People who do award shows have no idea how to properly time manage. Yeah, who would uh, mm. who would do who 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 who? Uh, innuendo. It's a yeah. We have a lot of not not a lot of lot of stuff to go through. Just a couple of really big things to go through this time around. Considering uh. Our, our document here is only is only uh, a page and a half. I say that I say that's good. My document's longer. Yeah, normally when we have a, a page and a half document, that means we're going to be out of here in ninety minutes. But you know us, we're going to be here for at least twice that long because we just don't know how to shut oh. up. <laughs> we better not. It's a habit we're trying to break. We're trying. And, you know, maybe one day we'll figure out how to stop talking, but. Uh, it's not going to be today. Just going to ask you to keep that stopwatch on hand for this one. Yeah, because there has to be some limits to uh, what we talk about. But um, yeah, we shall uh, begin henceforth. Hopefully we'll be uh, finished before uh, Sunday. So let's begin with something that's... Okay, um, I, I need to be real with the people responsible for this particular series. You all had no plan, did you? They didn't. They, they absolutely really didn't. didn't. So, those of you might remember, back in uh, the olden days of October of 2020, I, I think, that's when it was, I can't remember, time is immaterial, uh, Attack on Titan Season 4 began, oh, I'm sorry, in December of 2020. Yes. Poised to be its final season. However, what we saw then was just the the first part of his final season. Crunchyroll literally uploaded to the final episode of Attack on Titan promos, by the way. Uh, Two yeah. separate promos. Yeah. And then we heard about the final season part two, which came out last year. I think. I don't know. Everything just sort of blends together it, nowadays. It did come but, out uh, last year, yes. Okay, okay, good. My mind isn't playing tricks on me. And that ended also inconclusively. So we started to think, oh boy, what's it going to be this time? Are they going to do another full season, part three or whatever? Are they going to do multiple parts? Are they going to do a movie? And as it turns out, the answer is kind of two of those things. Oh, this is so... Okay. We got the announcement and... Try and follow along. It's stupid and confusing. Premiering on March 4th is Attack on Titan, the final season, part three, part one of two? Oh, Christ. This is... For real this time, we mean it. Uh, so... Okay, well, okay, look, you see there's no plan, but the plan here is pretty simple. They're just... All right, they're... This is what keeps happening with Kimetsu no Yaiba. They're going to drag it as long as they possibly can to make money. It's that simple. 
it's <sighs> this is I feel like it's not only just about dragging it out to make money at this point. I think it's that Mappa has doing a bunch of other shit and it's hard to keep up. The fact that the production's like we literally cannot finish this all at once. So we're splitting it up even further. Okay, I mean, to be fair, uh, from what we know, uh, literally, the, uh, literally, MAPPA only took it because no other studio could handle it, so... Uh, literally, because of the time frame that was asked of the committee, nobody else could really reasonably do it. And they still agreed to do it. We'll take you on four more projects. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, so I'm not quite sure MAPPA's scheduling is the exact problem here, although it would be funny if that was the case. It's, it's, so we don't even fully know the format, I think. This is a big I think. So it's, a, it's part one of two will air in March. I think March 4th, I think that's what the date was. So, March 4th, followed by the second half, in 2023? So I think it's going to be March and then September. Okay, let, let me see if I can actually find an article. Um, they didn't say how this was going to air. I think, I think the plan now is basically they are two big special episodes. That's what I think it's going to be. So, theoretically, part one is going to be four episodes combined into one. And then the second half, later in the year, will be the last four episodes combined into one part. And yeah, I think it's reasonable. Because there are eight chapters left, and... The way they were doing it through that last half final seat, whatever you fucking call it, what they did for the last one was basically an episode, a a chapter, an episode. To which near the end they were actually going even slower than that to get to that good stopping point. So yeah, two long episodes is the most reasonable way to do this. I was genuinely definitely afraid they were going to stretch it out to 13 episodes to get 100 total episodes of Attack on Titan. It seems like they are not doing that at least, but this is so stupid. This is like, this is beyond parody. I swear to God, if that was a pun, Andrew. <laughs> it wasn't actually. But you know what? That yes, I meant to do that all along. I'm I'm a genius. I'm I'm brilliant. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, very stupid. It it this it's just it, it's just, how how do you stretch out a final season to last nearly three years? You should not have called this the final season. Like you should not have called this the final season. Yeah, I I don't think people would be nearly as annoyed if they did if they didn't yes, again and i hate to keep doing it but we've got to have 
Yes, Bob yes, we know. We know there's got to be money involved. Lacey's capitalism, blah, blah, blah. Where was the foresight with this? Literally nowhere. Literally fuck all nowhere. Uh, I mean, I mean, again, it only ended up in Mappa's hands because they literally couldn't get another studio to do it without upgrading the schedule was. So, plan <sighs> there is no plan. They really created a uh, this scenario of their own making, and now the fucking Dora Hidoro team has been stuck doing this for three fucking years when we could have gotten more Dora Hidoro. Or Morgaro, or, you know, literally just let that man do anything. Hey, Netflix, give them more money and more people to work with. They need it. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the answer. Uh, let's face it. Whenever any studio gets a big check, they're not going to give it towards the things that they actually need. <sighs> the point of this is, this is stupid. We have no idea what format this is going to take take shape in. We don't know when the second half of the third part of the fourth and final season is going to actually air. I, I guess we'll know. It, it'll be ready when it's ready, I guess. I cannot believe they called this the final season three years ago. <laughs> Just- uh, I, mean, it's, I mean, it's entirely possible... I don't. May, I don't. You know what? Maybe I'll be nice and say maybe that was a plan, and then something changed. But if they had a- called this season four, this would have been less embarrassing. Yeah. Or if they had le- at least called the uh... like, like if you had called part two the final season, that would be a little silly but would make more sense because it's like okay big con it ended on a big cliffhanger conflict between Aaron and the so-and-so they are reaching those final chapters for real god let's not talk about this because this is so this is the dumbest it's ever been yeah but we will be keeping our word from however long ago that when Attack on Titan finally ends we will do a gigantic roundtable discussion about just how we got from point A to point B, because there's a lot to go over with this series. Hajime Isayama came to America to apologize to about the ending of Attack on Titan before they finished the fucking ending of Attack on Titan in anime format. <sighs> yep, that was something that happened, all right. Yep, it sure was. Yeah, um, that pin's still in there. We'll pull it out when it finally ends. It will be violent when it finally comes out. There will be a lot to say about all of it in totality. Mm-hmm. But with that, we now move on to our first very uh, meaty uh, discussion topic. The Crunchyroll Anime Awards are unfortunately still a thing. They're going forward with it with their big, grand, uh, quote-unquote, ceremony in Tokyo in March. And uh, okay, uh, you know, uh, you know what? There's a lot of cynical things I can say, but I am glad they are at least going back to it being an actual ceremony, not just like streaming thing. So, I will preface and say we are going to are we starting from the bottom going to anime yes. of the year okay yes cool. yes we are and just as 
like a, an all-encompassing disclaimer. This is not directed to anybody nominated. We're not going to be bad-mouthing any of you. Our ire, once again, is at Crunchyroll and whoever was in charge of compiling all this together. I, I have not actually voted, by the way, so I'm going to be doing my first actual casting of the votes live tonight. So I'm going to be figuring out wh who I'm going to pick alongside everybody as we're talking about it. Because I've not actually decided on anything. Also, uh, we have to mention a gigantic uh, asterisk in regards to this. Because this year, the powers that be decided to omit everything from the fall season as an eligibility cutoff. They had not done it before. Usually, when they didn't do it, it led to a lot of uh, multi-core shows, as shows that bled over into the new year being in the, in the nomination pool. That was a problem this year, because if you recall, we had shows like Akiba Made War, Boshi the Rock, and Chainsaw Man. So... I will give fairness of the I will give benefit of the doubt and say changing the eligibility period to go from fall from like the beginning of fall to the end of summer for next year's award show is actually not a bad change. It's kind of something we've been doing for the W Awards for several years now and I find that actually a lot easier to have more time to watch things and sort stuff out. I don't think this is a bad change. I just think the timing of it is extremely unfortunate because the fall 22 season was unbelievably fucking stacked. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not actually going to throw shit at them for that change. I think it's a good change. It's just unfortunate this was finally the year they made the change. Because yeah, we'll we'll get it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's also slightly unfortunate for reasons we will talk about in a moment. Yeah, and as seems to be usual, there are some nomination lists that are suspect. But we'll we'll get there when we get there. Uh, do you want me to start the timer? I I have one right here. I am allotting us thirty minutes to go through all this. I believe we can do it. Okie doke. Okay. Let's begin from the bottom all the way up, starting with best VA performance. Tell us how you really feel, Crunchyroll. Okay, we have Amelie as Marin in My Dress Up Darling, Jeremy Lee as Kotsuro and Kotsuro Lives Alone, Natalie Van Sistine as Your in Spy Family, Pro ZD as Kage in Ranking of Kings, Zach Aguilar as David in, in Cyberpunk Edge Runners, and Zena Robinson as Gamma 2 in Dragon Ball Super Superhero. I know this is a category you would expect Jed and I to usually have a lot of opinions or be contentious on. I'm going to be honest with you, I think all of these are good candidates. Oh uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, all of these are good, I have no complaints. Uh, literally, if there's anything I would nitpick at all, it's that I am mildly surprised. Sure, Buckland isn't here, but that's otherwise. that's the one that really shocked me. Out of like the most obvious ones in my head, was like, "Wow, this seemed like a shoe in for Kira Buckland to take." I'm shocked she is not nominated. Yeah. So, for me, I would say this comes down to a couple of these. I think Zeno Robinson's really good as uh, Gamma Gamma Two. Uh, Zach Aguilar as uh, David is really, really strong. He's not even my favorite from that dub, but he's really good. Natalie Van Zistine having her first breakout role as Yor. She's sexy, she's funny, she's absolutely a killer mama. 
Kage, uh, Sungwon as Kage is great and sounds a lot like uh, Meowth to me, so I think that's really funny. For me, this comes down between uh, two performances. Amelie as Marin and Cheremy Lee as Kotaro. And the way I'm going to approach this is that I think Amelie has a really good, good shot of taking this. I'm going with Jeremy Lee as Kotaro because that performance was fucking fantastic and I cannot believe I'm seeing this even nominated among these other like strong like more likely to win candidates. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much my reasoning. I also went for Jeremy. Uh... Oh, gross. Wait, what the? You have to enter your email to vote now? Yeah, that is pretty stupid. Ew. Yeah, that's why I'm not doing that. Ew. I just did, but ew. Ugh. Okay. Anyways, I voted for uh, Jeremy Lee as Kotro in Kotro Lives Alone. She's fantastic, does a incredible range of emotions. Uh, good job, good job. But, uh, Andrew, uh... The- you know, what if they start getting a bunch of voter fraud they have to deal with? Oh, fucking <sighs> I mean, uh, I mean, that is a fair point. I so wish it was something other than email. Anyways, let's let's move on. Fair enough. Uh, I- I'm not participating in this, so... Who would your pick be if you'd picked? Uh, Zeno, I guess. I'll take him. He was fun. Okay. All right. Uh, best Japanese VA performance. We have Atsumi Tanisake as Anya in Spy Family, Shika Anzai as Shisato in Licorice Recoil, Ferozai as Jolin Kujo in Sonoshin, Misaki Kuno as Fapita in Irumiyui in Maiden Abyss Season 2, Natsuki Hanai as Tanjiro in Demon Slayer, Entertainment District Arc, and Yuki Kaji as Eren in Attack on Titan Final Season Part 2 of 3. He was nominated last year! He's not even in half the season! <sighs> Wouldn't be nice if they stop nominating again. It really would. Like that's more of a that's a personal thing for me. Where like if they were nominated or they won a category last year, I don't like doing repeats for stuff in categories for like the W Awards and Viewers Choice. That's more of a personal policy for me, not one that's enforced. But I I see this here, and it's like, come the fuck on, come yeah, the fuck yeah, on. Especially since that one is just kind of like a really blatant popularity pick. So no Yuki Kaji by default. Natsuki Hanai. He probably wasn't even the standout of that season, let's be real. Um, so it's between these four in my head. Uh, Atsumi Tanizaki is fantastic as Anya. Misaki Kuno, I hear, is incredible from hearsay, so I feel very bad that I can't guarantee from hearsay. I yeah. feel like Atsumi Tanizaki is going to take this, so in my mind, that's why I'm taking her out of the running. So for me, it's I for Rose and Chika Anzai. I would probably give it to Misaki Kuno. I, uh, I, that's, that's what I've heard really good things about, but I kind of can't speak for what I've heard. But yeah. I'm going to go for what I've heard, which is Chika and I. 
Uh, yeah, but I had to go to Yuka because uh, I didn't actually get around to Soto to the Japanese, so uh, I had to go with the one I actually heard. You know what? I for Rose, in the same way Kira Buckling got her dream role, so did I for Rose, and goddammit, she deserves the recognition. I for Rose gets my vote for viewer, for voice actor uh, Japanese. Okay, fair enough. Uh, best romance. Uh, sadly, uh, no, Sasaki and Miyano. I'm crossing my arms in frustration over that. There's no uh, Aharin san Wahaka Renai either, so I'm also fucking salty. Uh, anyway, here, 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 here's what you got for best romance Call of the Night, Kaguya-sama Ultra Romantic, Coming Can't Communicate, Second Series, Love Have the World Domination, My Dress Up Darling, and Shikimori Sasha Security. I'm going to take Komi out of this, because the second half of this was much more slice of life than romance. I have not seen Call of the Night, so I can't really speak for that one. So it comes down for me between Kaguya, World Domination, Shikamori, and My Dress Up. God, Sasaki and Miyano really did get fucking robbed. As did yeah. Ahara and Saad, my other... There were so many good romance shows this season. I mean, I literally, I mean, I literally don't even consider a couple of these who actively be romance. So it's like, yeah, they were really being lazy with this category. I feel. Okay, so Shikamori's not just a cutie. I think is very cute, and people are very unfair to it. I think it just has the unfortunate thing of being very sweet and cute in a year of a bunch of killers. Why did they put Kodansha instead of Dogakobo as the studio? Well, you know. I don't. That's stupid. Okay, so now it comes down to Dress Up Darling, Kaguya-sama, and Love After Airworld Domination. For me, it comes down to one of two. I'm really glad that Love After World Domination is getting recognized somewhere. I think it was a very cute Super Sentai uh, villainous rom-com. I think it's funny. It's cute. Was it my favorite of the year, even if it was a ton of fun? I feel like Kagi is going to take it safely, but you know what? Marin Kitagawa and Wa Wakana Gojo charmed me something fierce in a way I really was not expecting. Mm. I gotta give it to my dress-up darling. I think I would also. Yeah, uh, yeah, same because um, as I, I mean, I mean, world love of the world domination and Big Mori were like fine, but kind of, uh, but kind of you know vanilla as far as romance stuff goes. And then Call Tonight, I do not, and Kobe, I don't really consider romance series. So uh, yeah, my dress up darling. If I had to pick one. Because my obvious pick is not there here, I would go with the uh, Love Have the World Domination just for the wholesome stupidity that it, it, it that it exhumes. God, there were so many good rom coms this year, and I'm uh, so pissed that Aharin got shut out completely. Fuckers. Uh, mm. Yeah. Well, now we come to a uh, suspect red flag. Try and figure out the common theme for best fantasy. We have. Demon Slayer, Anatomy District Arc, Maiden Abyss Season 2, Jabba's Reincarnation Season 1 Part 2, 
Overlord Season 4, Ranking of Kings Core 2, and the case study of Vanitas Core 2. What the Do fuck? you see the issue here? It's seriously... Uh, they're all either second seasons or... Uh... It's seriously <laughs> all sequels. It's either yeah. the second part of the first season, the second part of the second season, the second season, or the fourth season. And it's annoying because, like, there's other stuff they could have picked. I, I guarantee you they could have found six other fantasy shows that weren't sequels. They're so... I guess they really just did not want to acknowledge Isekai, which is very funny. But wow, what the make fuck? Make it its own fucking category if you're gonna do that. I mean, even if you didn't want to acknowledge Isekai, there's other stuff you could have picked if you go with a loose definition of fantasy. Yeah, I mean... Just because I yeah. know it's not gonna show up anywhere else... My vote de facto goes to case study of Vanitas Part 2, which I believe is the same one I voted for last year in the same category, now that I think about it. Wow, I cannot believe this is all sequels. That's... That one is ridiculous. Mucho, mucho suck. Anyways, I voted for Vanitas Part 2 because people need to give that show more recognition. It's fucking good. I started watching it the other day. Oh yeah, what do you think? I was surprised to, to find out that the first ending theme was produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. It's really good. The same group is doing the new Vinland Saga ED, yeah. which is fantastic. Anyways, we should probably move on. There's nothing more that needs to be said about that, so best drama. We have 86 Part 2, Attack on Titan, the final season, Part Dose. Cyberpunk Edge Runners, Dance 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 Tour, Kotra Lives Alone, and Made in Abyss Season 2. Okay, so, okay, so I would really, really, really want to give it to 86 for a lot of reasons, but I got but I gotta be honest, like there's nowhere else I could there was nowhere else I was really ever going to be able to vote for Kotaro, so I had to go to I had to go for Kotaro. That's fair. I'm just gonna throw I think I'm just going to throw Attack a Titan out for literally all of these and there's like 10 more of them <laughs> um dance 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 sewer i hear is fantastic but i cannot speak for it, it. same deal with made in abyss so it's kotaro and cyberpunk and 86 for me and i hate to say that i have not actually finished the second part of 86 despite how really good it is so it's Kotaro or Cyberpunk. If Cyberpunk takes this, I will be totally satisfied and I will be totally fine. Kotaro Liz alone is a show that should not work and does. And I'm kind of impressed to see it recognized this year. So whoever was pushing for it, good on you. I will support your decision even if it's not going to fucking win. Yeah, Cyberpunk, Kataro, or Dance Dance would definitely get my vote out of these. Cyberpunk is good. Acknowledge it as good. It is very good, yeah. I will acknowledge it as such. Yeah. So yeah, there's that. Uh, best comedy. Much what the okay. fuck? So we have... Can I vote for the Crunchyroll Anime Awards? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, okay. Okay, list of the nominees. We're going to have to talk about this. Yeah, we have we have Kaguya Sama Ultra Romantic, Kotaro Lives Alone, My Dress Up Darling, Spy Family, 
Uncle from Another World and your boy Kongming. What? Okay. Okay. This is the odd taxi thing all over again. What the fuck? Okay. Kotaro Lives Alone has funny moments. Calling it a comedy is absolutely a fucking stretch. I'm I'm genuinely yeah. convinced they need to make a best dramedy category, like, unironically. Mm. That, that is... What? I like Kotaro, but I... Wow, no, I, I actually can't for that one. Also, Aharin-san, Wahakura-nai was fucking shut out again, you fucking bitch-ass cowards. And Uncle from Another World isn't even done. <laughs> It's not, but I, I can confirm that it is at least somewhat amusing. Fair enough. Uh, is Kong Ming even in any of these other categories? Uh, uh, is it, yeah, it was like the Bowie did that we were going to have the vote for Kong Ming, so I went for that. I... You know, I think that's kind of the logic I'm leaning towards, too, actually, is... I feel like... I'll say this, I'm, I'm spoiling this early... I was expecting Kong Ming to be the underdog Dark Horse nominee for Anime of the Year, and it wasn't. So I that's the one I was really expecting to vote for. But you know what? I'm going to say Kong Ming's a good one. I will give it best comedy. If mm. my dress-up darling, Spy Family, or even Kaguya-sama take this, I, will, I won't... No objections either way. Those are all really funny. So there's that... Uh, I I would say Crunchyroll do better, but we've been saying that for like four years, and they refuse to do better. So let's just move on. All right, best action, Attack on Titan, final season, uh, second installment in the three part payment. Just plan. throw it out. Just throw it out. It's not getting my Cyberpunk vote. Cyberpunk Edge Runners, Demon Slayer, Entertainment District Arc, Stone Ocean, Licorice Recoil, and Spy Family. I I like Spy Family a lot. I think it has some fun action when it wants to. That is mostly a comedy. That yeah. is mostly a comedy. I mm. I don't really the action sparse when it happens. I like it. I would not vote for an action. JoJo is JoJo. If that's once always consistently cool, but doesn't always have like the greatest looking action stuff. Demon Slayer's Demon Slayer. That's probably gonna win. For me, this comes down between Licorice Recoil and Edge Runners. I would definitely... I mean, there are a few of these I haven't watched much or any of, but Cyberpunk is really up there in terms of... The it is Hiroyuki Imaishi firing on all cylinders. Is it, yes, yeah, see, my instinct was to go for Cyberpunk, but, like... I mean, but I guess I didn't want to be, like, I guess I didn't want to go too much for the obvious one, and I was also really impressed with the action in that show as well, so I ended up going with Liquors. You know what? I'm going to vote for Edge Runners myself, but it, I would be okay voting for Liquors on another day, too. So, I think it's between Cyberpunk and Liquors for me. I would be satisfied with either. It's gonna be Demon Slayer. You all know it's gonna be fucking Demon Slayer. Let's just accept it and move on. Ugh. Moving on, I guess. <sighs> Must protect at all costs character. You wonder why nobody takes you seriously. So for this totally legitimate, serious category, we have Anya from Spy Family, Bochi from Breaking the Kings, 
Kage for Breaking the Kings, Komi for Komi Can't Communicate, Kosanova Kosara Lives Alone, and Marin from My Dress Up Darling. You committed uh, the cardinal sin of putting two from the same show in your six nominee category. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yep, yeah, that's a little messed up. I also don't know how I feel about Kobe and Baron being there. I'm gonna be honest, Comey can Comey's got survival instinct, and Marin could straight up stomp a dude in the nuts and like scream like a motherfucker to call up the police. That girl can take care of herself. She knows what she's doing. She's not an idiot. Comey is sweet, but I think she could absolutely take care of herself and get out of danger and need be. I love I love Kage and Boji. Boji can take care of himself. Holy shit, can he take care of himself? Same deal with Kage too, even if he is a little more baby. But because they are both two of the same of six, they're getting removed immediately. It's Anya and Kotaro. I was gonna argue that those two are the only ones that really feel like they fit superbly into this category. I would, in fact, agree with you. It's yeah. Anya or Kotaro. Like, I could probably go through last year and find four or five other better fitting characters. 100%. So, Anya is the winner of this category by a landslide. Mm. So my vote goes to Kotaro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably say Neil. Fucking Kotaro is a good child. He's four years old and he is literally surviving on his own after trying to hide from his domestically abusive father. No question. Okay. Moving on. You best supporting character as if these people are real because. Okay, what? Kayfabe, brother. What the fuck is. Do you know what a supporting character is? Let's, let's go through. Uh, by, by the way, we are failing miserably at, our, at this time frame. We're 20 minutes in. We have like 14 more of these to go. Okay, fuck me. <laughs> We're trying, Alex. We're trying. I know. You're trying his patience. Yes, you are. Why do you think I'm talking so fast? <laughs> anyway, for this totally serious, legitimate category, as if these characters are real, we have... I from Kaguya Sum Ultra Romantic, Anya from Spy Family, Kage from Breaking the Kings, Rebecca from Cyberpunk Edge Runners, Uzumi from Demon Slayer, and Yor from Spy Family. Anya and Yor are main fucking characters. What are you smoking? Uh, also, also arguably Kage, so. Uh... Also, arguably Kage, too! He is the other lead character! Oh my god! Let's throw Anya, your Kage out. Those are main characters. Fuck out of here. T- so it's Ai Hayasaka, Tengen Uzui, and Rebecca. Ai Hayasaka, I think, is a fun supporting character. I don't think she had as mu- much to do this season compared to some of the other characters, but that one's not a bad choice there. Tengen Uzui is more fitting. He gets a lot of things to do. He gets the, the big fight that broke the internet and all that. Rebecca is a ride-or-die ho. She's fucking cyberpunk Harley Quinn. She's got a foul mouth and some cool shotguns and shit. She's doing her best. Rebecca gets my vote. Same. Toss-up between her and the very hot himbo with three very hot wives. So, um, yeah. Uh, it's Rebecca or Tang- Tangin. I, I would not object to either. 
Anya Kage, you're fuck out of here. Well, that leaves us in the best main character, this totally serious category that would exist if these people were, were real, in which we have Bochi from Ranking a King, Shisato from Licorice Recoil, David Martinez from Cyberpunk Edgerunners, Aaron Yeager from Fuck Attack off. on Titan, Fuck off. final Shut season, Fuck off. entry number two, but buy two, get one free. Aren't we supposed to be taking a f less of a long time? Lloyd from Spy Family and Marin from My Dress Up Darling. Honestly, removing Aaron Yeager the fuck out of the equation. This one's actually pretty tricky, I'm not gonna lie. These are all actually pretty solid picks, I'm not gonna lie. Um, Lloyd is hilarious, doing his best with all these shenanigans, trying to keep the world safe, while also being an absolute dumb fuck. Marin Kitagawa is adorable, precious, hilarious. Uh, I love Marin a lot, and I think she's actually a really solid choice. Chisato is a great leading lady. She's very much... She is literally gender-bent Vash the Stampede. And I kind of love that about her. David Martinez <laughs> is a tragic hero, but I think that's what makes him a very compelling main character. And Boji is adorable, precious, doing his best with the world against him, and he's so cool. Oh, fuck. I actually don't know which one of these I'm going for. And then I'm going with Boji. I don't think I'm going with Boji on the grounds that I think he was here last year. Is there a best girl category this year? I don't think there is, actually. Nope, nope, nope. Then I might give it to Marin. I... I'm... I'm sorry, I, I meant to say Aaron Yeager, I apologize. Okay, okay, you, okay, you make that joke again, and I'm voting for not Marin, which is where I'm leaning. Uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah th this is... um. You know what? If this goes to Lloyd, if this one goes to Lloyd, if this one goes to Chisato, or even David Martinez, I I would actually, I think I would be cool with literally anybody but Aaron Yeager taking this. Fuck off, Aaron. Don't worry, he will in due time. Sometime this year. Anyway, moving oh. on to talking about actual people, best director, people who make all this stuff look as good as possible. We have Haruo Sotosaki for Demon Slayer, Hiroyuki Imaishi for Cyberpunk Edgerunners, Katsuhiro Furuhashi for Spy Family, Shingo Adachi for Licorice Recoil, Yosuke Hata for Ranking of Kings, and Yuichiro Hayashi for Attack on Titan, parts whatever of whatever. Okay, this is literally the same shows again. Um, yeah, there's going to be a theme. Uh, considering the fact that Titan is falling the fuck apart at this point, and we are slowing the pace to a crawl, throw out Hayashi. I'm probably going to take out... Ranking of Kings and Demon Slayer, despite those not being badly directed, but just we've played this game before. I actually think the Spy Family direction is pretty strong too. I think the both uh, Furuhashi does a really solid job with Spy Family. I actually did way better than I was expecting it to after hearing some 
concerns that Jet raised to me. Shingo uh, and yeah, Tachi. Yeah, what? I also thought he did much better with material than I was expecting. Okay. Shingo Adachi making his directorial debut on such a fucking slam dunk as, like, Licorice, I thought was really good. And there's a pretty inspired episode. None of these match Hiroyuki Imaishi. Fucking episode six alone, <laughs> goddammit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel bad. I, if this goes to if this goes to Spy Family or Licorice Recoil, fuck it. Even Ranking of Kings, no complaints. But Imaishi is a fucking goat at this point. Uh, yeah, I actually ended up going with Licorice for this one. I was torn between I was torn between Adachi and Imaishi, but I kind of want to go for Adachi because I thought this was a pretty impressive directorial debut. So. You know what? That's a totally fair argument. I'm not fighting you there. <sighs> okay, let's fucking talk about this next one. Okay, next one. Best uh, best anime song. Their words, not mine. <clears throat> so, we're separating the song from the end to the sequences, even though they're also getting their own awards. So, Try and make sense of it. Anime songs should just be for insert songs, in theory. The Not problem is, course. there are two insert songs, and the rest are just OPs and EDs, some of which yeah. are already nominated! Yeah. Well, so, yeah, let's just go with it. We have Cheeky Cheeky Bon Bon by Queendom from your boy Kong Ming. Comedy by Gan Hoshino from Spy Family. My Nonfiction by Miyuki Shiragane and Shika Fujiwara from Kaguya-sama Ultra Romantic. New Genesis by Otto from One Piece Film Red. Shall We Dance by Riona from Shadow's House. And The Rumbling by Sim from Attack on Sight. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, okay, so Bandit decide honestly, this isn't even a contest. Like, it's New Genesis. Okay. Before I continue with my thoughts... By my own personal abject frustration at the fact they just threw some of the same OPs and EDs in here again. Um, taking out your boy Kong Ming and Spy Family and the rumbling. I know it's a good OP, but fuck all of those. Shall We Dance? I do really like. This one's not nominated in OP for some reason, but that one's gotta go. For me, it's between not my nonfiction or New Genesis. I really like New Genesis. It's the one I want to win. It's the one I believe will win. But I'm also gonna be real with you. My nonfiction fucking blew me the god the damn away when I first saw it, and I was losing my mind the way they capped that episode with that. It was so funny. The song's great. The visuals are incredible. It's actually a pretty killer song. I'm going to vote for my nonfiction, even though I want New to Genesis to win, because that one I think is worthy enough to get to be considered to. Yeah, fair. I like Rashi Metal, so the, the rumbling is it's, it's what I would pick if I were actually contributing to this. Although, uh, honorable mention that didn't get nominated at all. Uh, Bloody Power Fame by Cold Rain from Bastard. Oh, by the way, there was an insert song from No Name in Spy Family in Episode 5 they could have nominated, and they didn't. Yeah. Ugh, okay, so... One, two, three, four, four. We have ten... Okay, we, we have gone past 30 minutes, haven't we? We're at 30 minutes now. Oh, We're just like a real awards show. We're going long. 
Okay, we really gotta try to speed through the rest of these. I'm gonna try. We're gonna try. Don't look at me. Okay. I'm doing my part. Okay, best film. Uh, we have Bubble, Dragon Ball Super, Superhero, Inuo, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, One Piece, Plum Red, and The Deer King. The winner is Inuo. You're all wrong. I'm gonna be real with you. They really fucked Bell last year. That was ridiculous, and it's even yeah. more ridiculous. They literally added it right as it was, it was just airing in theaters here. That was bullshit. It's bullshit that they did that to Bell. It's bullshit it's not here now. They really had to struggle to think of a 6-1. You know nobody on there has seen Deer King. What I hear is very mid. Are you sure you're not thinking of Bubble? That's who. Yeah, uh, I, I gotta be real. If I had seen Edo, I would have voted for it, but I haven't, so I had to go with Film Red. Superhero and Film Red are really good, and if either, if Film Red especially and Superhero takes it, I'll be fine. I gotta go. I think Edo deserves it just on merit alone. Oh, that's fair. That's yes. probably accurate, even though I haven't seen it. Same. Well, you can buy it now on Blu ray. Yes, I, give it to Inuo. If the Academy Awards aren't going to acknowledge it, favor of fucking turning red. Then they Inuo- couldn't put insert songs from Cyberpunk Edgerunners for anime song. What the fuck were they smoking? They couldn't put any of the insert songs from Inuo in there. Have you heard that soundtrack? It's amazing. Okay, God. Anime song is so fucking sure. garbage as a category. Let's move uh, on. Okay, moving on. Best score. I really need a consultant for these things. Why do that when they could get a whole bunch of TikTok and YouTube influencers involved? Mm. So, sordid state of affairs. Anyway, best score. We have Attack on Titan, blah, 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 Cyberpunk Edgerunners, Demon Slayer, Made in the Abyss, Season 2, Spy Family, and your boy Kong Ming. Uh, well, uh, I mean, I didn't finish the season, but honestly, I mean, it's Kevin Perkins, so, I mean, I had to go with Made in the Abyss. I'm not going to actually go with that. I think... You know what? I'm actually pretty comfortable giving this one to Spy Family. I think that's got a really good OST and No Name are damn good at what they do. I think I'm actually going to give this one to No Name. I'm kind of undecided, to be quite honest. Like, I could make arguments for Cyberpunk, Maiden Abyss, Kong Ming, Hell, Attack on Titan. But, you know, I feel inclined to give it to Kong Ming. That's fair. I have no strong opinion one way or another, so now we get to the the opening and ending award things. Best ending, we have Akuma no Ho by Ai Higuchi from Attack on Titan, part dose of Trace, I guess. Comedy by Gen Hoshino from Spy Family, My Heart Has Surrendered by... Adi Suzuki from Kaguya-sama Ultra Romantic. Koi no Yukui by Kari Akase from My Dress Up Darling. Bosha Berli Biori by Fantastic Youth from Coming Here Communicate. And Yofukushi no Utsa by Creepy Nuts from Call of the Night. Okay, that Call of the Night ending is like straight fire, so I have trouble picking any of these other ones. Uh, uh, yeah, I feel like they could have made some better picks aside from that one, but yeah. I have to go for that one, uh, not just because it's a banger song, but, like, literally the show is named after that song. So, uh... The for- visuals are also 
pretty good for what that's worth. As, I, I mean, when a song is so good, you literally name your manga after it. It's like, you, you, you have to get with that. I thought the My Dress Up Darling ED was very, very cute. And I was not expecting to it see is. it here, so you know what? Fuck it. It almost reminds me of, like, Arakawa Under the Bridge for some reason. It's very cute. I like the, I like the little cute dance, and I like the trans pride alien octopus. It's a bob. All right. Now let's get to what might actually be the hardest choice I'm going to make all yeah, night. Yeah, best opening. We have Cheeky Cheeky Bon Bon by Queendom from your boy Cockming. Mixed Nuts by Official Higedondism from Spy Family. Naked Hero by Vondi from Ranking of Kings. The Rumbling by Sim from Attack on Titan. This Fire by Franz Ferdinand by, from Cyberpunk Edge Runners. And Zanku Sanka by Aimer from Demon Slayer. Oh man, mm. this is actually the hardest one. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. I, f- uh, I mean, I feel like I can take that for that first one. Could be the last one could be taken out pretty easily. Like. Uh, I mean, uh, is it, I mean, I, I mean, I love fine, Iber. but it's kind of nothing compared to the rest of these. Yeah, yeah, it's like I love Iber. He's great, but like, yeah, the rest of these are. This is stronger. also the first one I can't immediately throw the rumbling out because it's actually probably like up there as one of my favorite tightening openings. Not gonna lie. Is it, yeah, is it, yeah. Honestly, since I hadn't really voted for it anywhere else, I ended up going with Spy Family, so I picked mix nuts. I feel like my pick is either the rumbling or chicky chicky bon bon, depending on how I'm feeling. I'm, I'm gonna be <laughs> honest, mixed nuts are really good. Chicky chicky bon bon, I could also really go for mixed nuts. Incredible! It's genuinely like one of the most visually poppy, uh, incredible things. Naked hero is phenomenal, incredible. I love that show, and that it's like a good song and a good visuals, but watching that show, I feel things. I genuinely feel touched watching Naked Hero every fucking time. It is transcendent. It is incredible. Naked Hero. Oh! Oh, that one was hard. This is the one it's- category I don't have a problem with Attack on Titan with because it's not directly involving them. It's got... It's just... The Rumbling is a very good song. Hell, it was on the fucking Billboard shirt. I like, I like, I like that dissonance in there. <sighs> also, uh, yeah, uh, it, it just gets lower and lower when you get to that bridge breakdown. So, uh, yeah, the song itself is fire. Uh, that's what I would go for. Okay, it's just, it's just that good of a song. What? The and now f- we come to the most pointless. What the fuck thing? Of the lots. Best what? continuing series. Most of these are already nominated everywhere else. What the fuck is yeah. this? Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, they could have yeah, they could have at least made some interesting picks. I but mean, no, they kept it boring. You didn't you, you were never gonna find Digimon Ghost Game in here. Come on. Right and vote for One Piece. Yeah, well we have Attack on Titan, Demon Slayer, Kaguya-sama, Joseph's Bizarre Adventure, Made in the Abyss, and One Piece. Outside of One Piece, literally everything else is already nominated. Actually, wait, no! Phil Red's already nominated! Oh my fucking god. You... Uh, this is stupid. This one's really stupid. Yeah. Um, I mean, this category would matter if they weren't letting these shows be nominated for other That's things. That's kind of my problem. Yeah. It's it For me, it's either JoJo or Kaguya. Uh... <sighs> I went with JoJo, but like, yeah, they really 
they really should have went to both ranks for this. It's really ridiculous. I think it's stupid it's here, but you know what? Kaguya-sama Season 3 was fucking phenomenal. I'll give it that one. Ah, oh, that one's so stupid. Okay. <laughs> All right, best new series. Stuff has already been nominated. We have Call of the Night, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, Licorice Recoil, My Dress Up Darling, Spy Family, and your boy Kong Ming. You know what? I kind of feel like I don't think it's going to win. I would say I would go for one of the ones that hasn't been here that much. I'm going to give it to your boy Kong Ming, actually. I think My Dress Up Darling was fantastic. Edge Runners was fantastic too. Licorice and Spy Family. I think this one's probably going to be Spy Family. Your boy Kong Ming deserves to represent and fucking. That one was a series I didn't expect to be as good as it was, and it was as good as it was. Good for you, Kong Ming. Enough reason for me to go along with it. Um, yeah, uh, this one, I actually did decide to go with Edge Runners. That's fair. <laughs> like, like, I don't feel very pulled in any direction for this category. It's like, here's some shows. Yep. <laughs> All right, best animation. Oh, oh uh, my totally, God. uh, totally normal categories that everybody always agrees on. Oh my! There's God. no discourse at all whatsoever. Just fucking read the category. The all right. Akebi, Sailor Uniform, Attack on Titan, Edge Runners, Demon Slayer, Ranking a King, Spy Family. I don't even like it that much, and I think it's weird and a little too foot foot fetishy. But fuck it, Akebi. Why the fuck not? Uh, okay, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, it can be is the actual correct choice out of these, but, like, I kind of don't want to avoid it for it for all the reasons you just mentioned, so, uh, I actually went that I went for. Uh, what did you went? Oh, uh, yeah, I think I went with Reds running for that, too. You know what? I We shouldn't feel inclined to vote on things in these categories based on the fact that... <laughs> Things aren't represented elsewhere. Fuck you! That's exactly what I've they, been doing all night. No, I'm just saying we should not have to be put in that position. Yeah, that's what happens when you have six to eight things that are, are taking up the majority of the nominees in all of these. Exactly. It's fucking ridiculous. Ugh. Anyways, good for a cabbie. You're gonna so fucking lose. <laughs> Ugh. There's that. Best character design. We have Cyberpunk Edge Runners, Demon Slayer, Stone Ocean, My Dress Up Darling, Breaking of Kings, and Spy Family. Okay, at least one. I I feel like Ranking of Kings must have yeah, been I, here last year. Yeah, I feel I feel like it was, but I actually did end up voting for it. So uh, if I voted for it twice, I'm sorry, I guess. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... You know what? I hate how I can't even disagree with you, Chet. Rank of Kings. I might have, yeah. He's too good. He's he's Frog Boy, and I love him. There you go. Uh, best original anime. Uh, okay, 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 this is the actual toughest category. <laughs> we actually have some variety in here. Yeah. Wow. We have Birdie Wing, Healer Girl, Licorice Recoil, The Orbital Children, Vampire in the Garden, and Yurei Deco. Jet, I'm going to be real with you. This one is your choice. It's between Birdie's Wing and Orbital Children. Which one am I Which one am I saving? Which one am I leaving to die? The choice is yours. Oh, 
Uh, had jokes in that question all around. Yeah, uh, yeah, it really was between those two for me, and it was really hard because Bernie Wig, it's it's glorious and beautiful, and then Orbital Children, it's the as I edit Orbital Children is also really good, and I just really like that, and it's really like uh, Mito Lisa's work, and it's always great whenever he gets to do more things. But uh, you know what? Only but you know what? Only one of these got a dub, and uh, I don't know what Bernie Wigs. It's ever getting done, so uh, Orbital Children. Orbital Children, it is. That, that's my vote. Thank you for helping me with that. I'm sorry, Birdie Wing, you'll have a shot next year. Maybe. I, I mean, it's going to get another course, so... Uh, that doesn't mean it's going to get nominated, Jet. Let's be real. I want to believe. Par for the core? Oh, oh. Uh, uh, I want to shit myself now, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, but by the way, as a as a as a going back to what we were talking about earlier, best Japanese VA performance, Yuki Kaji was not only nominated last year, he won last year. Oh, fuck out of here! Yeah, I mentioned this because with anime of the year, we have. You know, what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go opposite order. We have for anime of the year, Spy Family. Breaking of Kings, Licorice Recoil, Demon Slayer, Answer from a District Arc, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, and the second part of the 2022 Anime of the Year winner, Attack on Titan, the final season. Are you fucking kidding me? Okay, I know we always lament that these that this always comes down to a popularity contest. It really, really, really feels like it this time. Yeah. Like, it's not, nothing is offensively bad, but this year it's literally the same things in most every category, and most of those same things are sequels already. It's a, okay, yeah, it's like most of it, yeah, it's like, it's mostly sequels, and it's especially annoying because, I mean, uh, it's like partially because of the fall cutoff, cut and also because, uh, you know, uh, there's plenty of stuff in that anime original category that we just mentioned that they could have put here. Is this, like, one of the only years that there hasn't been, like, any nominations for a My Hero Academia? Oh my god, we've been over this! They did that last... Uh, wait. I feel like there was no My Hero votes last year, too. Yeah, well, uh... In any case, uh... Um, so... Yeah, this is, uh... Here's how this goes for me. Throw out Attack on Titan in the fucking trash. I'm gonna move over Demon Slayer... And as much as I love it, I think I also got to throw out Ranking of Kings because this was nominated last year, too. Yeah. It comes between three. If either Cyberpunk Edgerunners, Spy Family, or Licorice Recoil takes this, I'll be happy. If either of those three takes Anime of the Year, I'm satisfied. I was kind of ready to vote for your boy Kongming as the uh, Dark Horse pick of this year. I'm sad it's not here, so I'm going to give it to my next best Dark Horse of the year, Licorice Recoil. Always vote the Dark Horse. I've always voted the Dark Horse every single year. And now I have a card. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, that's fair. I went for the... Well, I guess it technically shouldn't be a Dark Horse, but I guess it kind of is considering who it's up against. I ended up going with Ed Runners. Because, uh, because let's be real, it's going to be it's either going to be Attack on Titan. <sighs> Let please be Spy Family at least. Come on. 
You know what they say, Andrew? Expectation is the gateway to disappointment. Anyways, I think that was a productive uh, 30 minutes of our time. Yeah, so productive that we went 16 minutes over. We did not go... So- oh my god, we... Not as terrible as I was expecting. So this yeah. is not an aggressively terrible lineup, but it's so samey almost across the board that it's ridiculous. It's very, it's very uninspired, play it safe, get the really popular picks, and limit everything to six again. At some point, just... Yeah... 120 shows every year. You cannot whittle it down to just six. Anyways, is there any other awards we could talk uh, about? Yeah, well, uh, yes. Just just know, this is as far as we're going to go talking about this. We're not going to do a gigantic hour, 30-minute long recap of their awards show. The most we're going to do is we're just going to say who won what and uh roast the bad winners afterwards that's all we can offer you at this point it's not worth it Mm. it's not worth it anymore but yes uh there are other award shows that we can focus on like from the folks and the anime subreddits r slash anime they're doing their annual anime of the year uh awards thing sometime soon And if you recall, when we talked about them last year, they do something kind of smart. There are two awards given, one from a jury poll and one from the public. I like that. I really like that, and I actually think that's pretty fucking smart. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll go over this in great detail when they announce uh, all, all their stuff. But we do have nominations. Their anime of the year pool is as follows. Chainsaw Man, Cyberpunk Edgerunners, Kaguya-sama Ultra Romantic, Spy Family, Do-It-Yourself, Encouragement of Climb, Next Summit, Licorice Recoil, Ranking of Kings, Bolchi the Rock, and Akebi Sailor Uniform. Those are all pretty good picks, I'm not gonna lie. Though I'm, I'm genuine, I'm good for that guy that really likes Encouragement of Climb, though. I'm sure he's eating well. <laughs> <laughs> And for their movie category, their nominees are Laid Back Camp the Movie, Riku Starlight the Movie, which is coming to high dive very soon. Nice. Uh, SAO Progressive, The Quintessential Quintuplets Movie, Dozens of Norse, Girls in Ponte Nazionale Part 3, Induo, and The Girl from the Other Side. Note the eligibility for films is determined by the Japanese home video release date rather than the theatrical run. This means that Indio, which screened in Japan is in 2022, is eligible, but Suzume and One Piece Film Red are not. Okay. I appreciate they specify their terms and conditions. Mm-hmm. That way you avoid what ANN did by having Suzume is... Yeah. Plus the fact that there's a popularity poll and a judge's choice it's like yeah okay that's a good that's a good thing to have honestly that's what yeah viewer's choice is mostly for the popularity but then the judges at the dub talk have our own personal awards so that's kind of how we split it ourselves yeah there are a lot more awards go to the uh anime subreddit you'll find everything there and we'll talk about it when they announce their uh their award winners Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. cool stuff 
<sighs> okay. One more award show to talk about, and then we'll move on to other stuff. The Annie Awards. They announced uh, their nominations list. Interesting picks here. Inuo received nominations in the Best Indie Feature and Best Writing Feature categories. Cyberpunk Edgerunners nominated in Best Storyboarding TV Media category. Exception, that Netflix thing from Tatsunoko Production received nomination in the Best Direction TV Media category. And The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror Death Note episode was nominated in Best TV Media Mature category. Huh. That's a that's a good recognition for some of the some of the cool anime stuff this year. That's that's actually pretty dope. Good for you, Anime Awards. Also, before you ask, right, uh, Anime News Network did their annual no anime were nominated for the uh, Academy Awards thing they run every year. Really felt yeah. like Inuo had a chance, but I guess the Sea Beast took took it instead. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not disappointed in the nominations for best animated feature this year. There's actually some good stuff in it. Yeah, though they're all honestly good picks. They're they honestly uh, kind of wanted to take an L, so uh, give it to Pinocchio or Prince of Boots. Pinocchio will win. Come on, let's be real. I think Pinocchio probably deserves it the most. All right, and as a breather, as we move into other stuff, this Monday night, it's Discotech Day. They have stuff to announce. We will talk about it next time. Oh, thank God, there's nothing to talk about. We have too much others to talk about. Yes, for once the news is, there is no news. And for once I'm relieved. There will be news next time, and we will go into it. Oh, yeah, that'll be our main event for next time. Now then... Andrew, this is something you wanted to bring up. We got some news regarding Ruby. Yes. Volume 9 will be premiering on Crunchyroll on February 18th, and there will be a one-year exclusivity deal for Crunchyroll for this. This is actually a pretty fucking big deal, because for all this time, Ruby has been, it's been it's been airing on Crunchyroll as it's been airing new seasons, but they've always been, like, putting it first and foremost on their Rooster Teeth first service. Which I think the, there's a couple of reasons why I think the fact Crunchyroll is getting the exclusivity deal up to a full year for this new volume of Ruby. Couple of things. Couple of ways to look at this. One, Warner Brothers Discovery is bleeding fucking money, and I guarantee you they probably got a good, good deal. Rooster Teeth especially got a pretty sizable check for a timed exclusivity to make it on on Crunchyroll. Secondly, they say to expand the brand in that... Ruby is very anime, and it will appeal to on the most anime service that most people can watch. There's some truth in that, probably. But I also think it's probably the fact that Rooster Teeth, the company, is trying to distance Ruby, the most profitable IP they own, away from Rooster Teeth, the brand, which is kind of fucking shitting the bed because a bunch of really bad things have come out about the company. Not saying those bad things aren't still happening and Rooster Teeth is still involved. It's just, 
I think they know that branching Ruby out from just branching it out from just Rooster Teeth and Rooster Teeth first members is a good call business-wise and also branding-wise. Plus, yeah, Crunchyroll probably gave them a good amount of money that they fucking need. But that's pretty wild to see Ruby exclusively on Crunchyroll. That's, that, that was worth noting for that reason alone. It's That's a wild mm. development, all things considered. Even if I've been off the show since, like, Volume 5. I think I've been off since Volume 3, so, uh, yeah. Anyways, we can move on. Nothing more need be said. And, uh, yeah, we shall continue with something that has been making the rounds uh, everywhere lately regarding everybody's favorite topic. Poor, possibly machine-done translation. I love it. Don't we all? So, Kamen Rider Kuga. The manga has been... uh, I guess it's a plan to be released by Titan Comics or their new uh, imprint, Titan Manga. However, for those of you who follow Mars Girl on Twitter, and I know a lot of you do because she's good people, there have been some issues in that uh, the translation is suboptimal. Uh, yeah, uh, which, uh, which under normal circumstances would be really terrible but other, uh, but otherwise i mean well not as strong i mean that would so suck with covered rider fans but it would just kind of be like a hey, oh that's unfortunate and what's really messed up is uh what preceded that uh because prior to the shiny translation uh titan had uh p- was putting out previews of it online said previews had a much better translation and uh it is worth noting that even after uh the bad translation came out physically, and they still had the previews for the good translation up on their site for quite a while. So, uh, literal false advertising. Not good, kids. Not good. I don't know what else to say other than uh, the people supposedly in charge of all this have been doing a very uh, bad job of communication. Uh, yeah, they did do a uh, Twitter reply to all of this, to which uh, they turned off the comments. So, uh, yeah, I think that pretty much tells you everything. Yeah. If you want more information on this, just go find uh, Mars Girl on Twitter. She has uh, quite the back and forth in regards to all this for all you to read. Uh, one more thing before we move on to our next section. Andrew, you wanted to give us a follow-up on the One Piece dubcast updates? Yes, I did. Uh, specifically because, uh, there was a new episode of the One Piece podcast that came out where they actually got to interview Kaylee McKee, get some information about getting the role of Okiku, some, some of her time with it, some stuff about her in general. I wanted to make an addendum on this because I specifically said my concern about the casting of Okiku and especially the casting of Yamato, I was less worried about the One Piece team making the right call, more so that I was worried about Toei being Toei. 
There was a third factor I apparently did not consider. Something that Kaylee McKee actually brought up. You guys remember that, uh, the switch to focus on in-house talent mandate that uh, Crunchyroll started doing as last year? Oh yeah, that thing. Yeah. So guess what? They originally said no to Kaylee because she was a Los Angeles actress. I needed to let that sit for a second. Crunchyroll almost said no to a trans woman representing and playing a trans woman character in One Piece, not because they thought a cis woman could do better, no, because she was in Los Angeles and they didn't want to deal with that because they're trying to push their in-house mandate for One Piece. One Piece! Yeah, a series where they have a lot of out-of-towners in fact. Especially in the Wano arc. Frankie lives in Los Angeles. Trafalgar Law lives in Los Angeles. Usopp now lives in Connecticut. The guy who plays Kaido lives in Los Angeles and barely does anime in general. There's, that's just all the ones I can think of off the top of my head. And they legitimately tried doing their stupid, very flexible, very bendable. They bend it to their will. It's very much, it, they flex it to whenever it's most convenient. They'll get reprisals. They'll get people who are already in LA to reprise these characters. But like for new characters, they're not going to deal with it. But it's like, you can't, enforcing that for One Piece is stupid. And guess what? They caved because they gave Mike McFarlane permission to spread out his auditions to the Los Angeles talent pool. Kaylee McKee literally says Ryan Colt Levy getting the role of Denji in Chainsaw Man is probably the reason they caved and said that she could get cast as Okiku. Because she was that team's number one choice for that character. So, like, as soon as they said okay to Mike McFarland, they were like, um, what the fuck, guys? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. So I'm glad it worked out. And I 100% think Kaylee McKee was a fantastic choice for Okiku. But I cannot fucking believe that they legitimately tried telling the One Piece team, like, the most global cast out of all the anime dubs they have, you can't get somebody from L.A. anymore. That's fucking ridiculous and unbelievable. That was even on a possibility on the table. We talk about Crunchyroll. I still use their services and all that, but they are an aggressively frustrating company that is very backwards and stubborn in an incredible amount of ways. And... Crunchyroll is willing to cut off their nose to spite their face, and they will continue to do so. The old adage of burning a dollar to save a penny. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Well, <laughs> at least that got taken care of, and rightfully so, because, uh, yeah, that would have been very stupid with very bad optics if they had their way. I, I major props to the One Piece team for very much fighting for Kaylee McKee, so shout-outs to uh, Anthony Bowling, Michael McFarland, and Emily Fajardo in particular. Probably Manny Aragon, too. Um, I'm glad that worked out. I'm glad the team fought for her in particular. It's just frustrating that was even a possibility because of that stupid mandate. <laughs> I just had to bring that up because I was like, my biggest fear was Toei. I never considered Crunchyroll would be their own worst enemy. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of stupid companies... Fucking around and finding out. (laughs) If you haven't noticed, uh, the last couple years have been very tumultuous for uh, uh, several reasons. Mostly uh, due to this pesky uh, airborne virus that does not want to go away. And we did okay for a while. And by we, I mean uh, companies in Japan by avoiding these complications. But, well, as the immortal line in Ghostbusters says... We got! Yep. It happened again. Anaplex has had some issues. Some of their shows have been indefinitely postponed from this season, including Near Automata version 1.1a, Unite Up, and Ayakashi Triangle. Yeah, that is three uh, shows, all dealing <laughs> with COVID. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Anaplex, uh, really needs to do better with their management practices. There's really nothing else to say. There have been some rumblings from the animation side over there who are not too thrilled with Anaplex, the company, and how they've handled these various issues. So that does not, yeah, that doesn't surprise me terribly. So I, I, I think there is some truth, some truth to the possibility that COVID nineteen impacted their uh, China outsourcing companies to help them finish some of these productions. I think that's real, but there's also a general problem with management and the fact that they were that far behind that things could get this bad on multiple productions. I'm also going to reference uh, Kevin from uh, Sakugaboru at specifically comments he made in regards to the near Automata uh, indefinite delay. Me, after feeding a nearly blank piece of paper to my dog, damn, my dog ate my homework. To which somebody responded, was the production really that bad? He says... It's been comically behind since the start. So, of course, that any inconvenience, which is real, the COVID flare in China has impacted productions that heavily rely on cheap subcontracting of in-betweening and finishing duties would immediately send it to the Shadow Realm. And three Anaplex productions have been sent to the Shadow Realm, and it's very clear that Anaplex, as they manage anime production company okay did you know that six shows that anaplex is partially or fully involved in came out this season alone doesn't surprise me 
So we've got the three that are obviously delayed, but there's also Buddy Daddies, and there's also Tomochan is a girl, and I think I'm missing one. Hang on. Oh, Misfit of Demon King Academy. That's six. Yeah, uh, I'm honestly surprised that last one hasn't taken a hit, but... Uh, I hope you're not jinxing it, that's all I'm gonna say. But, yeah, so... I'll be In fairness, we're gonna talk about it in a second. This is not just Anaplex Productions. But all three of these literally aired one episode and then immediately had to halt production to an indefinite, unforeseeable future. Yeah, that is... Yo, really? What do you do, man? Where your man has been? I'm going to bring that up because we're going to talk about something else that also got halted due to COVID-19. So it is not just an Anaplex problem. Yeah. It's an industry problem. But this next one at least had three... It has three more episodes that are going to come out before it has to stop. Yeah, uh... Koopa will let me be invisible. That has also suffered some, uh... Complications. All episodes past episode six are being delayed, and there are plans in place to restart broadcasts in April. They are effectively going to turn the winter anime into a spring anime, and it sounds like they are at least anticipating they will be done enough to continue as soon as they hit episode six, probably in May, and then continue as business as usual. But yeah, I, I I literally just assumed, okay, that there's going to be no more episodes. And then it's like, oh, they have three more episodes. Because I just got used to the, oh, these three shows all had to stop immediately. Uh, yeah, it seems like uh, Pi Jim was able to keep things roughly on schedule. So, it, it's, uh... it's not that they're not completely on schedule. Like, obviously, a delay meant that they weren't done. But it meant that... They got enough of it done to at least get half. Yeah, I mean, they at least had a few episodes done, which is uh, apparently more than can be said for the Anaplex shows. So, yeah. I think Tomochan's gonna be fine, because everything about it implies it's done. Yeah, I was about to say, isn't that just, like, actually done? I think that's done because Sally Amaki has recorded all of her lines for that. And I think... PA works is good enough that Buddy Daddies is probably going to be fine. Misfit of Demon King's kind of a 50-50 toss-up. Especially because I found out Connect, the studio that is animating Ayakashi Triangle, is actually owned by Silverlink now. So, kind of a 50-50 toss-up with Demon King. We'll see how it goes. We will see how it goes. Shit's rough with COVID in general. Yeah. Okay, next up, uh, something that I said we would talk about uh, last time because we kind of forgot to put it in here. I forgot to put it in there because it's been rough. But uh, yeah, this was announced back in December. Sandland, a manga by Akira Toriyama, one of his other non-Dragon Ball works, will be getting a as it says here, screen adaptation sometime this year, and it will be a joint production between Anima, Sunrise, and Kamikaze Duga. Uh, so, yeah, obviously that means it's a movie. 
it's probably a movie, and it's also going to be a mixed media thing, because Bandai Namco is going to make a video game based off of the world of Sandland as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely interesting to, to do that with a, uh, what I guess, a pretty old Toriyama manga. I mean, it's not like super, super obscure since Viz did at least put it out, but like... It's mid-2000s. It's been almost 15 to 20 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not that old. It's May to August of 2000. It lasted for 13 issues in Weekly Shonen Jump. 13 issues or 13 chapters? Oh, f- 14 chapters. Okay. It says here, uh, the, volume 23 to volume 36 in 2000. Okay, so it is it is a short manga. You could do this. You could do this all in a movie. Yeah. So yeah, you could definitely do this all in one movie. But they're going to make an art, uh, like a video game too. I think the craziest thing to me about this, more than anything, is to see Anything related to Akira Toriyama, not next to Toei Animation. Yeah, that is a little shocking. That's the part that's trippiest to me. As I, I okay, I mean, okay. Oh wait, no, I was gonna say. Well, if you squint and say Dragon Quest, there are some stuff that wasn't Toei, but uh, yeah. I mean, that's also a video game. This is a new anime, ex- explicitly. But yeah, Sunrise, Comic... Those are all good studios, actually. Especially, like, Kamikaze Doga doing your CG. That's actually... They really... They've learned, actually, pretty successfully how to recreate his style visually well in the 3D CG medium. So, I actually think this has a lot of promise. Yeah, uh, Kamikaze is good, and, you know, Sunrise has plenty of experience with 3D CG. Uh, just doing all those Love Live models, so... They've really learned a lot doing Love Live, especially. Like, their CG has gotten way better when it comes to people. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's a good answer. We'll find out in due time uh, when this uh, comes out. All right, now for a couple odds and ends pieces before we get to our uh, big thing from Andrew. This is your time to prepare. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've been watching uh, Dragon Quest The Adventures of Dai, the dub on Hoopla, and even though I'm sort of stuck to watching it in like a 360-ish P resolution, because, hey, that's what you get when you pay nothing. It's free. I'm digging it. I like the, I like the dub. It's hitting all the right notes. Uh, Kelly Sheridan in there is fantastic. It's always wonderful to hear her. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff you can find on there on uh, Hoopla. All you need is just you know a library card, and they are they have now added the English dub of the third season of World Trigger. Uh, yeah, it was uh, definitely a toss up what was going to happen with that, but I guess we have our answer. To note, the second season is not available there. That is quite stupid. That that's wild. It, it's there if you want it, I guess. I mean, hey, if you want to hear it, it's a glare world trigger, there you go. Yep. I still find it wild that it's a mostly 
Canadian dub, and they're just like, yo, we got Ian Sinclair in this. I mean, who is, is he a major character? Uh, probably. I, I'm pretty behind on World Trigger, so I don't know. Wait, do you not even know which character he plays? I mean, I haven't, I mean, I, it's been a while since I've read the manga, so I, so I actually don't remember. Holy shit, okay. Okay, so yeah, uh, if you want to check that out, go ahead. So you're stuck with 360-ish P video quality. That's the price you pay when you pay nothing. You know, there's gonna be some openings on Toonami in in the in the coming months. Can we get I, Dragon Quest Die on there, please, it, Toei? Uh, yeah, I am really hoping Toei was not stupid enough to not pitch it to them. You you say that they say that they they feel like they only wanted Saturday morning cartoon broadcasts and nothing else. Uh, so, okay, uh, okay. I mean, uh, see, that w- see, it would see the way they share was done would almost imply that, but there is at least some swearing in there. So uh, yeah, they could turn it to Nami. Remember when like the first fifty episodes of Fairy Tale were relatively chast because they actually tried getting a TV deal for that. And then it oh, yeah, just never was, worked. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of uh, middling shonen fair, seven <laughs> deadly sins. Oh, that's a mean <laughs> but fair segue. If you recall, the last couple of years have not been kind to it, as um, it really crapped the bed in a lot of aspects. Perhaps they're finally starting to turn things around going forward, as we have the announcement. Of a new season, Four Nights of the Apocalypse, coming in 2023, and it will be produced at Telecom Animation Film. It's less to say that it's it's a new season and more that it is literally this is this is Seven Deadly Sins is Boruto. Yeah, basically. Yeah, there is. Uh, yeah, it is kind of amazing that after uh, that after years of increasingly worse produ- increasingly worse productions. We have somehow circled back around to a competent studio. This is a competent studio, and it's being produced. The production and planning company is worth noting because this is the new animation planning production thing that TMS Entertainment has been funding, Unlimited Produce. That's worth noting because now they have three confirmed anime productions. One is with Shueisha in the form of Undead Unlock. One is with Katakawa in that it's going to be one of the seasonal isekai that's coming out next season. I got a cheat skill in another world. And now we have Kodansha in the form of Four Nights of the Apocalypse. So that new TMS production committee has some pretty decent backing behind it to be working with some major publishers on some pretty major titles. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty interesting. So yeah, definitely after the janky Korean CG films, this one definitely looks like a step up. This is probably... It's probably going... I'm pro, I'm going to say it's probably not going to look as good as season one and two. But I think it's going to at least be better than season three onwards. Visually. Uh, not a particularly high bar to clear. Not a high bar to clear, yeah. but we'll have to see if it actually lives up to it. But also, 
I, I'm kind of impressed if you're still on Seven Deadly Sins at this point. I, I mean, more power to you. No shame, I'm just... You know how to take a beating, Seven Deadly Sins fans. Like, uh, yeah, like they, I'm a My Hero Academia fan. I see people talk about how like how much that's gone down in quality. That's stayed consistent production-wise. Seven Deadly Sins, man, you... you... Oof, yeah. guys. Mm. Oof. Oof, indeed. Yeah, that'll come later in the year. And now we come to our main feature for this program. Andrew, I will pass the reins over to you. You're the one who compiled all the information together. Tell us who is in what for the winter season. And we'll probably give some snide remarks to some of the bad shows this season as well. We'll give some remarks to some of that. I also have the the Crunchyroll's winter 2023 list open because this will be relevant to what we're going to talk about at the end and part of the conversation we're having at the beginning of the episode in regards to missing out on stuff. Anyways, first things first, let's go in. I'm going to go mostly in chronological release order except for the last one. Um, starting us off with the first one that they announced for this batch, uh, Revenger. Revenger is an original action, like, samurai action show from Studio Ajidu, and by Gen Urubuchi himself. This one seems to actually be him, too, so that's worth noting. Uh, so starting off our English cast, uh, our main character, Raizo, is played by Aaron Campbell. You'll know him as such characters as Galma from SSSS Dinazenon and Kurito Nakano in The Helpful Fox Senkosan. Uh, Christopher Waycamp is playing Yuen, and you'll know Waycamp from roles like Aizawa in My Hero Academia and Lieutenant Hinawa in Fire Force. Nazi uh, Tarsha is playing Soji, and Nazi has played characters such as Jude in The Saint's Magic Power is Omnipotent, and Grucius in That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime. Uh, playing uh, Teppa is Gabe Kunda, which congratulations to him. He just popped up in that new video game from that Xbox Direct, Hi-Fi Rise, which that looks fucking sick, by the way. Good for you, Gabe. Uh, he's also Kaburagi in Decadence and Rocklock in My Hero Academia. And playing the role of Neo is one Hayden Daviao. You'll know them for characters like Rina in Love Live, Niji Isaki High School Idol Club, and the Priestess in Goblin Slayer. Uh, this dub is being directed by Chris George, who's done stuff like Spy Family, Pop Team Epic, and Black Clover. The original anime, not the new Sword of the Wizard King movie, which we will find out how that turns out in two months. I'm going to remain hopeful that they're going to actually get everybody back for that one. Because they did just do, uh, the Junji Ito collection came out, and they actually brought back four people from the Junji Ito collections dub for the net- new Netflix show to reprise those characters. Austin Tyndall, Monica Rial, Rico Fajardo, and there's one more I am blanking on. Anyways, either way, they got people back for that. That's pretty fucking dope. Uh, so, Revengers. I've heard good things about it. I've seen that gif of the dude's shirt literally exploding as he shot an arrow and fucked a guy up in a boat. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I will check the show out eventually, but I have yet to watch it. Next up is the video game-based series getting an anime original at... It's an anime original based off of a side story in the lore, but this is not based off of any particular game. 
This is The Legends of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel, Northern War. This one is interesting because this one is actually not being dubbed at the main studio. This one is being dubbed at Okatron 5000. You'll, it, you'll, he, you'll get to tell because this is a pretty interesting cast. We'll get to it. Uh, our main four new characters are played. Uh, Lavian Winslet is Sarah Roach, who's played Maki Oze in Fire Force, and just because somebody had to remember this, Mutsumi Oribe in The Island of Giant Insects. That was technically her first lead role. La- Lavian in Trails of Cold Steel is her first lead role in a TV anime. Congratulations to you, Sarah. Good for you. Uh, Isaria Frost is Anjali Kunapaneni, who has played characters like Kaede in How a Realist Hero Rebuilt the Kingdom, and Karin in Fena Pirate Princess. Martin S. Robinson is played by Ben Balmacida, who has played characters like Jiro in More Than a Married Couple But Not Lovers, and Raido in Aharin San Wahakura 9, and Talion Drake is played by Chris Neosi, who has played Reagan Artaka in Mob Psycho 100, and Shiaputh in Hunter Hunter. Those are all the new main characters that are original to this anime. Reprising their roles from the video game, uh, Sean Chiplock is Reen Schwarzer and Xanthi Wynn is Altina Orion. Uh, Sean Chiplock has also played in video games like Kiyotaka Ishimaru in Danganronpa and Pewter in Eye of the Somnium Files. Xanthi has been Marion in Fire Emblem Three Houses and Haru Okumura. New people to the anime are Nazi Tarsha, Ryan Colt Levy, Chris George, Chris Waycamp, and Lucy Christian. And returning from the video game cast, all of these are reprisals from the video game side of it, save for one. Michelle Marie, Max Middleman, Michael Sorek, DC Douglas, Valeria Rem, Zach Aguilar, and Carrie Kiernan are all reprising their named characters from the series. Except for one Alan Lee, who is filling in for the late, great Billy Kometz. Please rest in peace. This one is being directed by Austin Sisk, who has directed dubs such as Yakis' Guide to Babysitting, Link Click, and The Slime Diaries. Following that up is a pretty interesting little fantasy shoujo show, Sugar Ackbull Fairy Tale. Uh, this dub stars uh, Celeste Perez as Anne Halford, who has played characters such as Rin Shima in Laidback Camp and Sai Sei Takanashi in The Saint's Magic Power is Omnipotent, and Yvonne Jasso as Shal Shal Fenshal. That's the name. Uh, Yvonne has played characters like Kosume in Apare Ramon and Kiros in One Piece. Also featured are Kieran Strange, Ernesto Jason Lebrecht, Max Shipman, Naya Moreno, and Anastasia Munoz. This dub is being directed by Sean Gann and Sarah Ragsdale. Sean has directed dubs like Requiem of the Rose King, Shadow's House, and Awashi. Sarah has directed dubs like Devil's a Part-Timer Season 2 and Classroom of the Elite 2. I've heard good things about the show. I've heard mixed things about the show. I'm going to check this out at a later date when I have more time to actually sit down and watch new things. This next one I'm actually pretty excited about, and I was very curious who was going to play the titular Buddy Daddies in the show Buddy Daddies. This one seems like a ton of fun, and it looks really good, too. Playing the role of Kazuki is Landon McDonald. This one is very interesting, because Landon McDonald 
pri- previously known for his roles in Los Angeles-based dubs like Alistair Schneider in Welcome to Demon School, Irma Kuhn, and Rampo Itogawa, which he is also reprising his role as Rampo Itogawa in Bungo Stray Dogs Season 4, which is ongoing. That's mostly everybody that needed to be back for that is back. It's just a new director at the helm of it. It's Kirsty Simone instead of Suzanne Goldish. Just bring that up. In passing. Rei Suwa is being played by David Matranga, who you'll know as characters such as Shoto Togoroki in My Hero Academia and Tomoya Okazaki in Clannad. Uh, their baby girl, precious baby cinnamon roll, Miri Unasaka, is Emmy Lowe, who's played characters like Kate in Shadow's House and Yaika in Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting. This dub is also being directed by Sean Gann and Sarah Ragsdale, who did the previously mentioned Sugar Apple Fairy Tale. And here's one I... It seems to actually be a magical... Magical school anime? Remember those? Yeah. It looks like a generic, terrible isekai, and that's because the director, the series composition, and I think the music is all being done by one guy. That's probably why the show looks like ass. Anyways, uh, our main characters, uh, Ray White is Kevin Thuwell, who has played Ryan in Beast Tamer and Zeus in One Piece. Amelia Rose is ju- played by Alexis Tipton, who is Jusetsu in Raven of the Inner Palace, and Kaguya Shinomina in Kaguya-sama Love is War. And Elisa Griffith is Emmy Lowe, who has played Ushio in Summertime Rendering, which just came out, and the previously mentioned Mi- Miri in Buddy Daddies. Uh, this dub features Natalie Van Sistine, Clifford Chapin, Morgan Berry, Mancy Ann Johnson, Landon McDonald, Molly Searcy. Okay, there's more, but I don't care enough to type them all, so we're just going to move on. That is actually what I wrote. <laughs> oh, fuck me. This is actually being directed by Marcus Stimmick. I wanted to bring this up because Marcus Stimmick has been an assistant director on a bunch of stuff in the past couple of years, notably as Sean Gann's AD on shows like Shadows House Season 2, Beast Tamer, and Ao Ashi. I don't give a shit about this show, but I'm very happy for Marcus Stimmick. He's been a very underappreciated actor for a number of years, and I'm happy to see him getting his first solo directing dub. I can't wait for him to get something better. There's also Handyman Saito in Another World, another isekai show, but I'm told this one's based off of a manga instead of a light novel and is actually pretty funny. Saito is played by Blake McNamara, who has played Tomoya Mashiro in Ensemble Stars, and Seth Rich Carter in Apare Ranman. Lafon Pan is played by Crystal Laporte, who is Misa Takayama in Log Horizon Season 1, was suspiciously missing for Season 2, and then was reprised the role in Log Horizon Destruction of the Round Table, which was picked up by Funimation instead of Sentai. Hmm, suspicious. And Marie in Supposed Kid from the Last Dungeon Boobies. Did I say boobies instead of boonies? You, yes. Oh, fuck me. Okay, Last Dungeon Boonies moved to a starter town. We're all, I'm barely even halfway. This is going to be a fun segment. Uh, Railza is played by Sarah Roach, who has played Nene Alkastone in Our Our Last Crusade and Lavian in the previously mentioned Trails of Cold Steel Northern War dub. Morlock is Bradley Campbell. When I first did this, I thought this was Charlie Campbell, but nope. There's an actor named Bradley Campbell that is different. He has played Heinkel in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and Chin Zhao in One Piece. 
Uh, this is featuring Chris Guerrero, Matthew David Rudd, Landon McDonald, Kelly Greenshield, and Jalitza Delgado. We're going to see his name a few more times tonight. I think Landon McDonald is currently living in Dallas right now because he got several roles in the area. So that's pretty interesting if that's the case. Good on, good on him either way. This is being directed by, of all people, Mike McFarland, who has directed the One Piece dub, Blood Blockade Battlefront, and Chainsaw Man. I'm guessing he wanted a fun little breather project after finishing Chainsaw Man, and that's why he's doing Handyman Saito in Another World. Speaking of big projects, we got an interesting one. I have no water. I'm probably going to sound very hoarse by the end of this. Trigon Stampede. The question was, what the hell were they going to do about Trigon Stampede? Were they going to recast it completely to match the Japanese? Were they going to bring everybody back? Or were they going to do the Trigon Badlands Rumble cast? The answer is a little bit of everything and also neither? Reprising his role 20 years later, Johnny Young Bosch is back as Vash the Stampede, who you'll know as Leo Fotia and Promare, and Ichigo Kurosaki in Bleach. And many other things. And many, many other things. Meryl Strife is being played now by Sarah Roach, who I have previously mentioned as the lead in Lavian in Trails of Cold Steel and Railza in Handyman Saito in Another World. Playing the new character, Roberto De Niro, is Ben Bryant, who has played characters such as uh, One B's homeroom teacher, Vlad King, in My Hero Academia, and Hiyoshi in The Vampire Dies in No Time. And playing the role of Millions Knives, I'm pretty interested, uh, good choice, is Austin Tyndall who has played characters such as Accelerator in Assertant Magical Index and Ken Kaneki in Tokyo Ghoul. Uh, Playing Baby Vash is Kristen McGuire, which I want to highlight because in like a month, she has played two baby versions of classic beloved characters. In the Dragon Ball Z Kakarot video game DLC, she's Baby Goku, and now she's Baby Vash. Also featuring Megan Shipman as Baby Knives, Emily Fajardo as Rem, and Lydia McKay as somebody else. I forgot their name. This is being directed by Jeremy Inman and, and Dallas Reed. Jeremy has directed Decadence, Golden Kamoy, and Sabakui Bisco. Dallas has directed Robahachi and the Dungeon of Black Company. That's a pretty interesting cast, but the show looks really good, and I'm actually told this dub is pretty good. Fun fact, the person writing the dub for this, Macy Ann Johnson, is as old as the original Trigun anime. She was born in 1999. Feeling old yet? Always. Then they're saving 80,000 gold in another world for my retirement. Another isekai one. Uh, playing the titular character Mitsuha is Trina Nishimura, who has played Mikasa in Attack on Titan and Natsume in Decadence. Uh, playing her buddy Colette is Marianne Bray, who has played Pepper in No Gun's Life and the cat Murr in The Case Study of Vanitas. This one features Anthony Damasco, Travis Molinay, Aaron Kelly Noble, and Randy Perman. This is also being directed by Jeremy Inman and Dallas Reed, who are directing the previously mentioned Trigun Stampede. Now we're on to the reincarnation of the strongest exorcist in another world. This is another Isekai one where it's a fucking exorcist guy gets brought in a fancy world and now he has Japanese magic. That's a joke. Do you get it? 
Aseka, our main character, is also Marion Bray, who is Colette in the just mentioned a second ago, saving AVK in another world, and Liddy in Shadow's House. Uh, Yifa is being played by Leo Matthews. This is pretty much their first named anime character role, but they're also a non-binary actor playing a lead heroine in an isekai anime. GG, good for you, dude. Amiu is Lucy Christian, who is... You, you fucking know who Lucy Christian is. Uh, Ochako and Nagisa and Nami, y- you know. This dub features a lot of new, new, fresher-faced talents. Uh, Jim Ferranda, Naya Moreno, James Marler, Ryan Negron, Victoria Vitti, Lisette Diaz, and Mike Smith. This is being directed by Jason Lord and also Aaron Roberts, who have both directed dubs such as More Than a Married Couple But Not Lovers and Lucifer and a Biscuit Hammer. There's also this cute little adult rom-com anime called The Ice Guy and His Cool Female Colleague. I've heard good things about this. Actually looks like a pretty good cast. Our Ice Guy Himuro is Lee George, who has played characters like Apare in Apare Ranmon and Shizumu in SSSS Dinazenon. And our lead heroine, Fuyutsuki, is Kristen McGuire, who you'll also know as Alice in The Duke of Death and His Maid, and Yume Minami, also in Dinazenon. This dub features the likes of Caitlin Glass, Austin Tyndall, Sean Gann, and Macy Ann Johnson. This is being directed by Michelle Rojas, who has directed the Kaguya-sama Love is War dub, Love Live Superstar, and the new Higarashi Go and Sets anime series. Vinland Saga Season 2. Here was the other big, what the fuck were they going to do with this one? Were they going to make a new cast? Were they going to continue the Sentai com- continuity? Were they going to do the, the LA dub continuity? We have our answer. Reprising their roles from the Sentai dub are Mike Haimoto, Josh Greeley, and John Swayze as Thorfinn, Canute, and Leif Erikson themselves. I think Jet may have something to add about this. Oh, uh, no, oh, uh, no, I'm done that way. I'll, we'll get to this in a bit. I'm just kind of cycling through all of these right now. There's a lot of new people that are listed, but there's only two that I think are actually key characters. Einar and Kettle. Einar is effectively the new duo deuteragonist or whatever. The, he's one of the new protagonists of the second season. He's being played by the legendary Ian Sinclair, who is Sugimoto in Golden Kamoi and Kurinosoma in Fruits Basket. Kettle is the guy who buys Einar because he owns slaves who work on his farm. He's being played by Doug Jackson, who has played Keith in Fairy Tales Final Season, and Toru's grandpa, also in Fruits Basket. This dub is being directed by Jerry Jewell and Jill Harris. Jerry Jewell has directed Star Blazers 2099 and The Daily Life of the Immortal King and Raven of the Inner Palace, and Jill has also directed Daily Life and Raven of the Inner Palace alongside Jerry. Interesting duo doing that dub. Very interesting takes on where they're going and how this is going to turn out. But you know what? I'm happy they got the Sentai people back because I was partial to the Sentai dub more than the Netflix one. By the Grace of the Gods Season 2 and both Re Season 2. They got pretty much everybody that needs to be back for those. Slightly different crews, but they got all the people you want back to reprise for Season 2. Ningen Fushin, adventurers who will save the world someday. Uh... Nick is being played by Kieran Flitten, who has played characters such as Kyle in I'm the Villainous, so I'm Taming the File Boss, and Yota Murakami in Gleepnir. 
He just recently moved here from the UK, and this is his first anime leading role. I'm very happy for him in particular. Curran, the hot dragon lady, is Brittany Karpowski, who's grim in The Combatants Will Be Dispatched, and Rain Maru, in that time I just got reincarnated as a slime. I just saw Scarlet Bond, by the way. Pretty fun movie, for the most part. Moving on. Tiana is Christina Kelly, who's played Alpha in The Eminence in Shadow and Minami Nanami in Bottom Tier Character Tomazaki. She's usually more on the Houston side of things. Exciting to see her in another leading thing for a Dallas dub. Zem is also being played by Landon McDonald, who is Kazuki Kursu in Buddy Daddies and Enmu in Demon Slayer Mugen Train. I almost said Entertainment District. Uh, this one's also featuring Kelsey Maher, Philip Weber, Kristen McGuire. Okay, I'm tired. You fucking get it. I don't really care about this show. I'm just doing this obligation-wise. This is also being directed by Jerry Jewell and Jill Harris, who are doing Vidland Saga Season 2. And just because this is the show I'm actually watching right now, and I actually really like the dub, Tomo-chan is a girl. is the same damn Slyable dub that is now four weeks in, and I really wanted to talk about the dub. The main girl, Tomo Aizawa, is played by Lexi Nieto who has played Walkure in Takop Destiny. That's so far only her other named anime role, and she is the main character in Tomo-chan. Junichi Kubata is Rika Fajardo, who has played Sakurai in Uzaki-chan Wants to Hang Out and Roland in The Case Study of Vanitas, because Rika's done a shit ton of things, and I want to highlight The Case Study of Vanitas. You people need to watch it more. I'm happy you're watching it, Alex. I'm very proud of you. Mizuku Gundo is Jade Saxton. I fucking love Mizuku. She's so good. Jade Saxton has played Chika in Kage-sama Love is War, and the character Mizuku most reminds me of Saki Hanajima in Fruits Basket. Kosei Mizuki is Kieran Strange, a good boy who is being pl- who's played characters such as Ashito in Awashi and Louis Desaad, also in the case study of Vanitas. And then Carol Olsten. We lo- mentioned this already. Carol Olsen is being played by the same person in Japanese as she is in English. Sally Amaki, who has played Sakura Fujimi in 22-7 and Eliza Shimizu in Bochi the Rock. The director's Caitlin Glass, who's done Horimiya, Fruits Basket, and Oran High School Host Club. Holy shit, I can't... Okay, I need water now. Remember, kids, it's good to hydrate. I ran out of water. I just need to get more. Anyways, I'm I'm done. That's all the ones that have been announced. Fruit of Evolution Season 2 hasn't come out yet, but you don't fucking care about Fruit of Evolution. I know you. So we were talking about this briefly earlier for a second, in case you want my opinions. Vinland Saga definitely sounds pretty good. Uh, I really like the dub of Tomochan as a girl. I think Carol Alston. It took me a second to get used to Sally Amaki, and I think she needs to adapt. She needed to adapt a little to ADR styling, and she's pretty, pretty on par with how she's playing the character in Japanese too. So that might be why it's a little weird, but I think she's growing into it. I think Lexi in, as Tomo and Jade Saxon as Misusu are the standouts. They're hilarious. They're fantastic. I'm having a fun time with that dub. I haven't seen anything else yet because I've been busy with the W Awards. I feel it's worth bringing up. We were talking about Crunchyroll's been doing a thing now where they decide their dub lineup almost immediately and pretty much assume all the hits right out the gate. And also do all the sequels that were already dubbed. Now that's how we get stuff like a fully dubbed handshakers. So this season, now we have an interesting problem. 
they literally could not get dub every single isekai they got isekai they couldn't dub every single isekai or fantasy light novel thing because they got too many of them. So several of them had to get left out. Chilling in my 30s didn't get a dub. The the knight turned into a girl reincarnation didn't get dubbed. And shockingly, the cooking Mappa isekai is sub only too. That one's especially baffling. They couldn't dub every sequel because there was a shit ton of sequels already. They did not, are not currently dubbing The Vampire Dies in No Time Season 2. They are currently not doubling Sorcerer, Stabber, Orthvin, Chaos in Uberama, or whatever it's called. And most surprisingly, they're not dubbing Inspector Season 2, a holdoff of the Crunchyroll Originals Day, and that one got passed over for a dub too. That one's especially surprising to see. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, yeah, Bochi the Rock and Do It Yourself got ignored last year, which, last season, which is a crime, and I hope they rec- re- reprimand that. Um, yeah, as uh, mentioned before, it uh, does not particularly turn out well when Crunchyroll tries to predict the future. I, I think the problem is, like, sometimes they've kind of made it where it's like every studio is booked solid immediately. So there's kind of no room to course correct. If something winds up being a bigger surprise hit than they expected. It's basically stick to your guns. We don't care if Bochi the rock has a slightly higher mouse all rating than even chainsaw man right now. And it's picking up a shit ton of steam and a, a whole lot of memes. We, we, we booked everything solid. So we're going to commit to dubbing, what the fuck was that trash thing that came out last year, last season? Uh, we have committed to it, so we are going to continue dubbing. Oh, okay, this bit's too long. I, I can't think of anything. I think I'm a little wiped. You, you get, you at least kind of understand what I'm getting at. Anyways, that that was a lot of dubs. Um. Uh. We would be getting the Near Automata dub and the Misfit of Demon Cat. I mean, oh god, I'm shutting down. Well, uh, I'll I'll give you an addendum. Remember that Berserk Golden Age Arc TV recut? Oh shit, I forgot about that. Yes, yeah, yes, I do. They they, they announced the dub cast for that, and they got Mark Dyson back as guts. They got Mark DeRyson, they got Kevin Collins, and they got Carrie Kiernan back as Guts, Griffith, and Casca. And this is being dubbed at the same studio that did the movies. It's being dubbed by Mike Center Nicholas and Stephanie Shea at NYAV Post. And this is, in fact, a new dub. There are new cast members credited that were not active in the dubbing scene several years ago, like Frank Todaro and Louis Bermudez. This is a new dub, straight up. Well, people make decisions. <laughs> I'm very impressed they got... I cannot believe they got Mark Dereisen back. That one's actually wild. More power to uh, Mike and Stephanie. That's a that's incredible, actually. Very mm-hmm. impressed. Yeah. Very, very good. I'm going to give that credit to Mike and Stephanie instead of Crunchyroll. Because I feel like gi- giving thanks to Crunchyroll is kind of like counterproductive. It's like... 
thanks for Crunchyroll for letting your substitute your third third what do you call it third subcontractor subcontracted studios do work for you because you literally have too many fucking shows that you can't do everything but you're stubborn and as we have described in the past you are more than happy to cut off your nose to spite your face but it seems like at least the mob psycho situation fucking spooked you enough to let your subcontractors do the things they were already expected to do your fans will be happy your work relationships will be solid instead of on Rocky Foundation. We're not going to have union talks yet, but fucking Christ, you're at least going to keep those parties appeased for the time being. Don't try and burn a dollar to save a penny. It will never work out in the end. Don't fuck mm. around only to find out, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Yeah, don't 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 make us pull out the 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 graph meme. All right, I think that's that's all the big ones. Okay, that's good. Oh, and uh, to all the weirdos out there who are trying to play White Knight for the for the valor of uh, that that dog fucker show that High Dive has because the subs are uh, a little mimetic. Reprioritize your priorities, you fucking weirdos. Who's gonna die on the hill of the dog fucker show? There's some people out there. Oh, I forgot to mention, they didn't get to dub the popular Yuri. You know what? A good example for this season, actually. The Yuri Isekai, which is doing a lot better than most of the other Isekai shit that actually got announced. And. Because they announced that late, I guess they're like, oh, we, we can't dub this right now. We're too busy dubbing Ningen Fushin, a show where there's a fucking... I'm told it's actually not that terrible, but one dude has a pretty fucking heinous backstory. Yeah. And I also saw a gif of a guy going downstairs and it looked like dog shit. Geek toy strikes again. <laughs> oh goody well we got through all that in less time than it took to talk about the fucking Crunchyroll Anime Awards so I'm good like that I'm efficient you're welcome okay at least us was one last thing to do talk about some upcoming home video releases that were announced recently there aren't a lot don't worry alright starting from Viz coming out on April 4th Season one of Record of Ragnarok. I kind of want to zero in on this for at least a minute. Bear with me. I'm not going to pretend I'm the biggest Record of Ragnarok fan. I've yet to watch it, nor, and I know people think it looks like ass. But um, this is interesting for a specific reason. A, this is not the first, like, they just got Levius on home video, which was another Netflix home video thing they got. Also worth noting, this is Warner Brothers Entertainment Japan. Guess what they have? Fucking Stone Ocean. It would not mm. surprise me if Record of Ragnarok being released by Viz on home video is going to be the gateway to how we're going to get Stone Ocean on home video. Uh, knock on wood. Yep. It also wouldn't surprise me if Netflix, if Viz is going to continue the to get more stuff from Netflix while also continuing their uh, 
uh, cross-promotion of manga they have the license to. I actually wrote down a list. So if they end up getting stuff like JoJo's Stone Ocean, Thus Spoke Kishibe Rohan, Komi Can't Communicate, that one I'm feeling because of Show Pro, Way of the House Husband, B-Stars Romantic Killer, Kuriko's Basketball, Dora Hidoro, and Children of the Whales anytime soon. Look out for any of those. Mm-hmm. You may quote me on that. Okay. Coming, out, coming to us from Right Stuff on April 18th. I lost, my, I lost my place for a moment. We have Zoku Sayonara Setsubo Sensei with a note, I believe, pulled from WTK that the liner notes will be digital. A bummer, but I also get it. I feel like you're going to get diminishing returns on the sequel seasons. It would be cool if they did liner notes for all of them, but they also didn't really give you a place to put the liner notes last time for season one either, so... At least the liner notes are still there, because that shit's wild. Mm-hmm. Now from Sentai, we have their May release slate. They released this a week after their April one. Yeah. So, starting with, coming out on May 2nd, a brand new release of the 2006 Fates Day Night. It's the whole the whole series and I think the TV movie too. So if you would like the 2006 Fate Stay Night adaptation for a reprint or to have the whole thing in one Blu-ray, I mean more power to you. Anyways, just to make sure, CGI Dragon, not CGI Giraffe. I know the difference. I'm smart. <laughs> Jet. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, yes. Uh, first released on DVD by Jenny On in 2006, then again by Jenny On by way of Funimation in 2008, and then released several times later by Sentai. There's actually several people from the original 2006 dub that actually reprised their roles for Fate UBW, by the way. Fun fact. Yeah, mm. it's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, there's that. May 9th, Season 2 of The Demon Girl Next Door. Very nice. I've heard good things about this series. I've still yet to watch it. May 16th. Onipon. Cute little short anime from Wit Studio. Sub only. Kind of a bummer, but I get it. Yeah. A new release of Wolf Girl and Black Prince. All my, all my friends who really love shoujo are like, why the fuck is this one getting recognition and a manga license? Fuck this one. Is, I believe, a quote they have given me. I believe we talked about that once before, and let me see, when was this first released by Sentai? Back in... 2016. So it's just a new skew of something they still got the rights for. Yeah. And finally, coming coming out on May 23rd, a new release of Majestic Prince. I don't mean to worry anybody, they're, but their past few slates have been pretty sparse outside of maybe like one new release each month mm. I think the dream is dead on Azekin guys I, I, I'll give it another month or two I'll give it at least until July but I'm getting a little more concerned yeah we shall see alright coming to us from Crunchyroll by way of Funimation 
That's a callback. So like five minutes ago. Uh, in April, on April 4th, we have part one of season one of Aoashi. Cool. I still yet to watch this, but I hear really good things. And we have a 25th anniversary commemorative re-release of Cowboy Bebop. Without the movie. Yeah, because obviously it's just too difficult to get a licensing deal with Sony to get that movie released by a company owned by Sony. I mean, Aniplex and Crunchyroll are still technically separate companies. Yeah. But yeah. It, politics. I mean, it's cool that they're doing this. There's going to be a limited edition release that has art cards, and that's cool. I believe this will have the five discs that were released from that really expensive crowdsourced thing they did a couple years ago. It looks nice, but I've already got it. I'm good. Yeah, I, I own... I'm not even going to be peer pressured into this one like the Yu Yu Hakusho one. I'm good. Yeah, speaking of that, I got that thing. Turns out, same disc that were released back in 2009. So I basically paid $90 for a fancy box and the OVAs. Yeah, that sounds about right. As Yeah, but as for this, um, my understanding is that the discs that were released when they did that fancy thing are the same quality as were as was released back in 2014, which unfortunately has some deinterlacing issues in some parts, which they never fixed. So you're basically spending 50 bucks to get uh, two new bonus features. Cool. Anyways, I got both the TV series from Funimation and the steelbook that I found in a bull moose in Maine one Christmas that I think I paid five bucks for because I got a $25 bull moose gift card and it was $30. That thing must cost (laughs) hundreds now. Uh, It's a bit of a bad value because that has the same disc that were released back in 2014. Yeah, well, I only got it for five bucks, so suck it. Yeah, I mean, well, I have uh, three versions of, of, on DVD from Bondi, the Funimation Store 12-inch vinyl version, and the Amazon limited edition version with the fancy book, so I'm good. Uh, is there anything else that uh, comes out this month? Uh, yes, on April 11th, we have Legend of the Galactic Heroes, the Noitessa Season 3. Cool. And we have Collection 31 of One Piece. Also cool, and... Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Now, on April 18th... Um... Huh. Turns out, and as I was talking about the first four releases from Crunchyroll in April, uh, those are their only releases in April. So, this is super weird, but I actually looked into the past couple of months. I think this is a pattern. Bear with me for a second. In January, Crunchyroll released Sabaku Bisco, Stranger by the Shore, Sasuke and Miyano, Platinum End, Ascendance of a Bookworm Season 3, The Big Yu Yu Hakusho Ellie, Obey Me, Genius Prince, Black Clover Season 4 Complete Set. In February, they only put out Horimiya, Love After World Domination, How Not to Summon a Demon Lord Season 2, and Slime Diaries. 
In March, they put out Heaven's Official Blessing, Miracho-chan, Arifueta, Mushoku Tensei Part 2, Dragon Ball Superhero, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, Sing a Bit of Harmony, and Attack on Titans Final Season Part 2 of three and a half. April is Cowboy Bebop, Awashi, and, Lock- and Legend of Galactic Heroes. You're telling me they can't do a new release of Nichijo? I'm telling you that I think they stuff one month and then the next month is barren. Well, that's not smart. I don't think it is, but it's literally January and March have a shit ton of releases and like nice boxes and LEs. And then February and April each have one new LE and like two to three two to four new skews and that's it so what i'm saying is may is going to be pretty meaty in theory if my theory is correct yeah probably oh we'll find out in a couple weeks speaking of meaty uh this one last thing from discotech coming out on march 28th we have the 1978 tv series of treasure island this is the this is just this doesn't yeah yeah Cool. I'm tired. We have Lupin the Third, Swallowtail Tattoo. Another one. We are down to the single digits. Yeah. Oh, side note, by the time this is up, that Lupin versus Cat's Eye special will be up on Amazon Prime Video. Holy shit, I forgot about that. Yeah. We also have the live-action movie Another. Cool. And we have Mononoke. I still... The mysterious English dub nobody has ever heard of. I still can't fucking believe that. That is just incredibly insane. No, we just found a dub that was made a decade ago nobody ever put out. (laughs) I don't even think they have a cast list. If they do, I'm gonna shit myself. But, like, I don't even think anybody's credited. They just found a dub that nobody knows who was in it or where it was done. It might not even be good. I just can't believe it exists. <laughs> I, I need to know. I need to buy this because I need to know. Yeah, good luck with that one. Also coming out on April 25th, one of the hottest selling pre-orders across the internet, Gunbuster. I'm so happy. I'm going to I'm going to like wait to see what their April slate or what else is coming out in April before I make that pre-order, but Gunbusters is a must-buy. Like I oh, yeah. that that's like a dream project. I I also love supporting new English dubs that Discotech produces, especially from Sound Cadence and Marissa Lenti. Uh they're fantastic at the work they do, and I'm very excited to finally check out the Gunbuster dub. Yeah, but I got it on pre-order. So, uh, looking forward to that. And I'm going to pre-order it through Right Stuff, because like fuck, I trust Amazon with uh, DVDs and Blu-rays, especially the nice ones. Ugh. Yeah, and with that, the show is over, and somehow we made it under two and a half hours. I'm proud of us. I'm also proud of us. Also, I really need to pee, so I'm cool wrapping this up. Okay, so any final words before we uh, prepare for whatever discotheque has in store for us on Monday night? Uh, Inflation. Uh, uh, I don't know, enjoy your week, I guess. Uh, the W Awards are coming. The viewer's choice will hopefully come out within the next week or two. 
I'm very curious to see what people are going to think about the ones that we landed on. Look forward to that. Hee hee hee. Okay. And yes, to list inflation, it certainly is somebody's kink. I certainly do love $10 eggs. Now that's Ugh. just price gouging. That is just corporate price gouging all around. Oh cool, Kura Sushi's has a My Hero promotion now. Yeah. Uh, that will do it. It wasn't a lot, but it was also uh, a lot. So thank you for listening to this edition of Podcast 1A. We hope you'll come back next time for us to uh, geek out over whatever discotheque has uh, to blow our minds with this time around. So that will do it. Thank you for listening. And until then, uh, go Niners. Go Niners. Go Niners. Good night, everybody. Peace out. Bye.